Are you ready for the word this morning, church? Father, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for, for the stories and the testimonies we just heard about you calling people, people who think they're never going to get saved, God, but when you put your hand upon them, God, and you draw them to yourself, you make the impossible possible. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Father, anoint me for this task of presenting your word today. Give us ears and hearts open to receive from you, and yet that you would bring great transformation to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Good. Well, Michelle and I have been married for 14 years as of tomorrow. It's our wedding anniversary tomorrow. We were married on the 3rd of July. I have a picture. 3rd of July, 2004. Look at that. Don't I look beautiful? 13 years. That's not 14. It's 13 years tomorrow, everyone. Not 14 years. Yeah. Well, great start. There we are. There we are. When we got married, we, uh, our honeymoon was up at Coffs Harbour. We drove, and I've shared this story, drove up to a two-bedroom unit at Coffs Harbour. I spent some time fishing and left my wife um, at home. And, and then after the honeymoon, we uh, came back and lived in a little house in Reesby up near Reesby McDonald's. And our first year of marriage, my wife will talk about this. It was a wonderful, 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 wonderful time. It was, Michelle was doing a part-time university, studying at university, working part-time. I was a teacher full-time and we didn't have a lot of responsibility at church at the time. And we spent heaps of time together. We slept in together. We ate food and we spent lots of time together. And we apparently had lots and lots and lots of intimacy multiple times a day, which I don't remember, but that's apparently what happened. It was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful first year of marriage. I don't remember. First year of marriage. But then things changed, everyone. But then things changed. We uh, moved from that little house into the house in Padstow that we purchased. And um, I decided I was going to do a revamp of the backyard, a, a redevelopment of the grass. And rather than getting a, like a bobcat in and doing it fast, I did it really slowly and by hand and shovels and... And I got really busy doing that. And then we came to this church and I started to serve and I started to get busy serving at this church. And I took my focus off my wife and put my focus on other things in a really negative way. Um, busy at church, busy in the backyard, um, full-time job. And then and our marriage, we started to drift apart. Now, I didn't feel it. I thought everything was fine. But from Michelle's perspective, things we started to drift apart because I had my attention in, in, in my attention in, in other places. And Michelle would say to me things like, "Nathan, I need your attention. Nathan, we're not spending enough time together. Nathan, you're too distracted. I, I need your focus." And and although it would go in one ear, there's not a lot in between. I don't think it went in one ear and out the other. And, and it took it about a couple of years, I reckon, for me to hear that clearly. Because I thought everything was okay, everything was fine. But from Michelle's perspective, it wasn't. And over that couple of year period, I damaged my marriage. Damaged it. M- Michelle would say that trust was broken. The closeness was not there. And it took me, um, it took a couple of years. And then once I worked it out, it took me a couple of years to recover that. But let me say now that 13 years tomorrow, not 14, 13 years tomorrow, um, we're in a really, really good place. Been that way for a while. My uh, wife is my best friend. Everyone went. She's the person that I love to hang around the most. She's the person I love, I feel most comfortable with. 
and I love to get close with. She's wonderful. She's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lady. Lady. I love you, wife. Happy anniversary for tomorrow. Most of us have the privilege of being married. Most of us, not everyone, but most of us have the privilege. And if you've been married for more than two weeks, you will know that there are many ups and many downs in marriage. You go through seasons where things are great and you're totally in love and connected, but then you go through other seasons in marriage where you just go, oh dear, what was I thinking? Why did I marry that person? Sometimes you feel like you don't want to talk to them, you don't want to be around them, get away, want nothing to do with you. That's hopefully at an extreme. But then other points are like, I just want to spend all my whole life with you and cuddle you and, and be with you forever. We are go through these ups and downs. And, and, and friends, we want to be a church that's real. We want to be a church that's impacting lives and families. So we want to talk about the, uh, the, the, the topics and the issues that relate to each one of us. And so today, we launch our marriage series called To Become One because marriage is a big part of most, of most people's lives, a big part. It affects children. It affects generations. It affects the effect of marriage. It's huge. And so this morning, as we launch our marriage series, hopefully over the next four weeks, this will, this will be a really, really helpful series. If you are married, we're going to talk about biblical truths and we're going to encourage you to live them out. If you aren't married yet, and there's a line of you guys over there, if you're not married yet, hopefully this series will prepare you. It will get you ready for marriage, which is not too far away for some of you guys. Not too far away. You laugh now, but hey, you don't know. And, and if you've been married, um, hopefully this, this series will encourage you to get alongside Pray for and support the married couples that are part of our church and the ones you have in your community. Because marriage can have wonderful times. Marriage can be really, really, really tough. And hopefully this series will inspire us all to support marriages, to pray for marriages and be the people that God wants us to be. Now, before I go any further, I want to say this series could be difficult for people. Maybe your marriage has ended um, in a... In, in not a great way. And, 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 and if that's you this morning, um, or maybe your marriage is really struggling, maybe you're in a season where it's just really, really tough, can I say and can encourage you to, to talk to someone, to get alongside someone who can journey with you. Talk to your life group leader, talk to a mentor, talk to a pastor, talk to a friend, talk to a marriage counsellor, talk to someone who can get alongside you and support you in this, in this season. All right, friends, heading is to become one. And the reason we're calling it to become one, because that's how God describes marriage. This morning, I'm going to look, I'm, I'm going to touch on four, four things. The first thing around to become one is that marriage is between a man and a woman. Secondly, it's supposed to be a lifelong commitment. Three, Marriage is the most intimate relationship that we're, that, we're, that we're to have on planet Earth. I'll say that again. Marriage is the most intimate relationship we're to have on planet Earth. And four is that when you're married, you're, you, have, you are designed to have a vision that you both get behind and support heading in one direction. That's where we're headed this morning. The, the, the first time we, we hear about marriage is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 where God says that man 
will leave his father and mother and he will be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. And this is what Jesus quotes in Matthew chapter 19. And this is going to be um, a, a key passage for us over the next four weeks. And it's the main passage in, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels where Jesus talks about marriage. This is what it says from verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked Jesus, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, these religious leaders, why did Moses command that a man can give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. It was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorced his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The first thing I want to suggest about marriage this morning is that marriage is between a man and a woman. This is what it says in Genesis. and It's what Jesus says. Haven't you read at the beginning the Creator made the male and female? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Friends, marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, in our society today, there is a small group, a very noisy small group, who are trying to redefine the definition of marriage. They, they are calling it marriage equality, and that is a, a really, really clever name, because how can you argue with marriage equality? It's not like, who everyone wants equality in marriage. No, no partner wants to be squashed by their other partner. Marriage equality sounds great on the surface, but what they're really saying is that marriage equality is, what, what they're suggesting is that marriage could be between a man and a man or a woman and a woman, same-sex marriage. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but I'm going to tell you what I think. Is that okay? Good. I'm going to do it anyway. If you say no, well, I'm really going to go in here. Now, if you do some research, and I sat down with Martin Baker one day, and he was really helpful. Martin goes to our 11 o'clock service, and he talked to me about some of the places around the world where they put in same-sex marriage, and he talked about the really unhealthy effects that's related to society and to children, and that's stats. I'm not going to talk to you about that today. I don't know, I don't know enough about it, and that's not the reason why I'm against same-sex marriage, same-sex marriage. The reason I'm against it is because God is. The reason I'm against it is because God is. Friends, man didn't create marriage. God created marriage. He designed it. He set up the boundaries. He set up the parameters. God said this is what marriage is. And God said marriage, as this verse says, is between a man and a woman. The Bible also says that homosexuality is homosexual behavior is sin. Romans chapter 1 talks about when sin entered the world and it talks about the result of sin, which, and one of those things is homosexual behavior, which Romans 1 talks about as shameful. Homosexual behavior is not God's best. It's, it's not what God wants for our lives. Now, what I just said is not popular. 
And if people maybe found out that I just said that, they might get a clip of that, stick me on Facebook or YouTube or look what this pastor said like they did to Margaret Court. The pastor, the Australia's apparently greatest ever tennis player, runs a church over in Western Australia. And she said publicly that she's no longer going to fly Qantas because Qantas have said that they support same-sex marriage. Now, so much for freedom of speech in this nation. <laughs> so much for freedom of speech because now that she said that, people have ridiculed her, wrote negative stuff about her. And it's even been suggested that the Margaret Court Arena, the, the arena that's been named after her, there's, there's, there's been talk that they're, going to, they're, that they're going to change the name of that arena because of her stance on same-sex marriage. And actually, the marriage between a man and a woman is actually what the government says is legal right now. So she's actually standing up for the, the legal definition of marriage, which is also the biblical definition of marriage, and she, and she was ridiculed and persecuted for her view. It may not be popular, to hold marriage as man and woman, although if you talk to the silent majority, I think it is. But if you talk to noisy people who promote same-sex marriage, it may not be popular to say what I just said. But the reason I say it is because I believe that is God's view. And as a Christian, I choose to hold God's view. God sets the direction. God sets the agenda. And I simply say, yes, Lord, I'm following you. I'm going to go your way. So I believe marriage is between a man and a woman because that's what God says. Amen? Thank you for that. Now, having said all that, let me also say this, that not everyone agrees with me and it's important that we show love to same-sex couples and people who have the view of same-sex marriage is okay. We're to love them, we're to respect them, we're to honour them, and we're to treat them as if Jesus would. And Jesus ate, ate with people who are far from God and who have different views to him. We're to love them, we're to respect them, we're not to abuse them, we're not to tear them down. We're simply to speak the truth in truth in love. Because they're people loved by God and we're to love them too. Is that okay? First point, number one, marriage is between man and woman. Second point is this, that marriage is designed to be lifelong. Look at this in verse 6. So they are no longer two but one. This is Jesus. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one separate. In other words, it's not supposed to break up. It's not supposed to break up. But unfortunately, it does. In verse 8, Jesus replied to the religious leaders and said, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. The, the, in this passage, the, the Pharisees come to Jesus to test him to try and trick him, to try and say something that they could oppose him. And in, and, 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 in, and in the law of Moses, Moses gave permission for people to get divorced. And Jesus says here, the reason Moses gave that, or God gave it through Moses, because people, hearts are hard. We're sinful. We get it wrong. We stuff it up. And as a result, God said, permission is there to, yes, you can get divorced because you're sinful people. But what they... What the people at the time of Jesus did, they then took it from this get divorced in the worst case scenario to a place where you could get divorced for whatever reason you wanted to. If your wife doesn't cook you a nice meal, well then divorce her, that's okay. No, that's not okay. If she doesn't dress, nice, doesn't dress nicely, no, that's not a reason to divorce your wife. Jesus is saying from the beginning, 
God made them male and female and it was designed for life, that no one is to separate that. That's his design. But friends, the reality is marriage is bust up. And let me say there are reasons why marriages should separate. There are. If there's violence, if, 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 if there's an environment where, where people aren't safe, that's a really good reason to, to separate. It talks about sexual morality and, and there's, a, there's a reason why it's okay to get separated and divorced. And I'm not going to go into the whole list of things, but let me say that in marriages where, where it goes wrong, and in marriages that regularly goes wrong, people do stupid things, silly things, selfish things. And, and sometimes it's really wise to separate. And sometimes it's wise to get divorced. It's not God's best, but that's, that's wise. But let me also say that God also loves it when there's reconciliation. And if marriages do separate for a time, if they, if they can work it through, if they can support, get counseling, and some way it can get back together, that's, that's also a wonderful, wonderful thing. God's plan for marriage is that it's lifelong. It's not a five-year commitment. It's not a 20-year commitment. It's not as long as I like this person or as long as I love this person. But God's desire is that it's lifelong. Having said that, we also know that that's not the case. And there is, and the Bible says it's okay to get divorced. There it is there. Moses talks about it. But it's not ideal. Is that okay? Second point. Now, the first two points are about information. Information about what marriage is. Information that marriage is supposed to be lifelong. Now, let me give you some challenge. This is what I want you to grab a hold of and put into your life. Number three is this. Marriage is the most intimate relationship on earth. The scripture says in verse 6, so that this is Jesus, so that they are no longer two, but one. They are no longer two, but one. When, when people get married, they join together. You get two different people, two different backgrounds, two different upbringings, and they get connected like that, and they're one. It's a physical commitment through sexual relationships. It's an emotional commitment. It's a spiritual connection. It's this all-in, all-encompassing oneness. And it's a bit like getting blue is for boys, pink is for girls, right? It's a bit like getting glue, right, a glue stick, and sticking them, sticking them together. A bit like this because... They were two sheets of paper. Now they're one sheet of paper. They're, oh, it's not really one, but it's not that magical, really. But they're glued, but, but they're together. They're connected. They're, 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 they're going about life together. And, and in Genesis chapter 2, it says something really interesting here. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it's not good for man to be alone. You know, in the, in the creation account, when, uh, when our God created the earth, the scriptures say that God made Adam first and that there was no one that was suitable for him to, for him to be one with. And so what God did, he didn't get dust like he did for everything else that he created. Interestingly, he got a rib of the man and from the rib of the man he created woman. And I think that again talks about the closeness and the connectedness between a man and a woman, that they, when they become together in marriage, they get one, they get super connected. And it's interesting that in the creation account, 
everything that God says that he makes is good, except for this one thing about man being alone, that he says it's not good. And so God gets a woman and a man to go alongside, to support each other, to, 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 to go on the journey of life together and, and to do the life that, that our God would want for them. Friends, in marriage, you have the most intimate, well, you should have, you should have the most intimate relationship on planet Earth, should be with your spouse, should be. The person who knows the most about you, the one who you can share, look at those two cuddling together, it's beautiful. The one who can share the most intimate, Brucey, behave up the back with my mother, be nice up there, it's my dad and my mum cuddling together, I see them as well. The uh, one who you share your most intimate secrets with, the one who can finish your sentences, isn't this romantic tonight, this morning? The one who knows what you're thinking and you don't have to say it because they just look at you and they know what you're thinking. My wife does that to me all the time. The one who is your best friend. The one who sees you naked. The one who you shares your medical conditions. And the one and only person that you have sexual relationship with. And this is a biggie. In, in that, in the sexual union of two people, you become one. And this is not just marriage. If you have sex outside of marriage, you become one with that person. There is a connectedness. There's a physical connection. There is a soul connection. You become one with that person through the, act, through the act of sex. Hence the importance of waiting till you're married for that because you want that sexual connection, that oneness with only one person in your life and that's to be your husband and your wife. That's, that is God's design. And, and you know what? This, this uh, bit of paper that's stuck together, this, this husband and wife, this uh, oneness, this, this intimacy, this closeness, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing to do life with your best friend, to share journeys, to share struggles. It's the most wonderful thing. But if it comes apart or if you have sex with someone who's not your wife and you separate, this oneness, this oneness that you have gets damaged if you separate. And in separation, if you have sex with someone and then you're no longer together, part of you gets left on them and part of them gets left on you. And in a marriage, when it busts up, part of you gets left on them and part of them gets left on you and, and it creates a heap of damage, a heap of damage. That's why God says sexual relationship in marriage. That's why God says marriage should be lifelong because it's actually best for us. Now, friends, if you've had sex outside of marriage, I encourage you to take that to Jesus. There is, there is freedom from that. Jesus can heal the hurt. He can, he can take off what the person's put on you. You can return to each other what you've passed on and and God can forgive you, and if you get stuck, man, we have a prayer team here. You can pray with them. We have a prayer ministry team that Becky runs. You can go to them and get prayer. And if you're struggling in your marriage, when we talk about marriage being the most intimate relationship on earth, if you want that and your marriage doesn't look like that, get some help. Friends, we want a church that's real. My marriage wasn't like that for a, for a season, and we got help. Did we get help then? 
No, we didn't get hope then. We got hope later. We didn't get hope then. We got hope later. That's the next point. We got hope later. If you're struggling in your marriage, talk to someone. Talk to a life group leader. Talk to a mentor. Talk to a pastor. Talk to Ken. He's the guru. He understands people. He understands relationships. Talk to Ken. Go to a marriage counselor. Get help. Get the support you need. Last point is this. Marriage should be equals a unified vision. When we talk about vision, we're talking about a preferred future. And then in marriage, husband and wife journeying together, same goals, same direction, going after the same things. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. This is in the summarized version of creation in Genesis 1. It says, God blessed them and said to them, this is people, husband and wife, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every, every living creature that moves on the ground. When God spoke to Adam and Eve, he gave them a vision for their future. Increase, be fruitful, multiply and rule. Care for the ground, crops. He gave them a vision, he gave them a task. In chapter 2 verse 8, I read the verse a bit more later. When, when, when God says it's not good for me for a man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. Now hear this clearly. God had a vision for Adam and Eve. God had a vision for Adam. And he and God gave him, Adam, a helper to achieve the vision that God had for people. And friends, what I want to say this morning is that God has a vision for your marriage. God has a direction. God has a preferred future for your marriage. And it's vital that together, together you work out what that is and that you together pursue the vision that God has for your marriage, a God-honoring vision. And it's not just in what church do I go to or, do, or, or, or what ministry should I involve, be involved in, but it relates to every area of our lives. It relates to, firstly, the call of God in our lives. I had the privilege of uh, doing a wedding last Saturday of Amy Yo and Joel, her fiancé. And, and the thing I love about their marriage is that they both have a heart for mission work. They've both been called by God to get out, to go to, to people who've never heard about Jesus and present the message to them. They both had that call and then they decided to get married and do that together. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The call of God, unified call of God in their lives. It's have a unified vision around your finances, around your budget, around how money's spent, about purchasing investments, about setting goals for your marriage. Have you be unified around your work time, how much time you spend at work and how much time you spend at leisure. Be, be unified around your values in your family. What are the important things to your family? What are those things? Have you discussed those things? Have you written them down? Are you pursuing them? Expectations around sexual expectations, standard of living, days off with the family, unified vision about where you live, how you communicate, and unified vision around your goals, um, goals for your children. Man, this is where Michelle and I got stuck. Around what are we, where are we, how are we setting up our children for the future? Michelle wanted this. 
I wanted this, and then we, we, we talked and we wrestled, and then we would come together, we would agree on a way forward. And it was usually Michelle's way, because she normally does that better than me, which is true. And, and, and I was good for about a week, right? About a week. I would do it Michelle's way, or well, actually it wasn't Michelle's way, it was the way that we agreed to. It was. We definitely agreed to it. And I would do it for about a week and then I was back to my old ways. And then she'd get cranky and then we'd talk about it again and we would agree and then I'd do it for a week and a half and I'd back and then we'd get cranky and then we'd agree again and it would two weeks. So we went to a marriage counsellor. And let me tell you, it was the best thing. You know what it cost sixty dollars a session. Wow. Was it a good investment for our future? Absolutely. We did about six sessions with the marriage counsellor and it's made, haven't we, Sheila? We did about six sessions and it made a huge difference in how we parent our children. Now, is it perfect? No. Do I still get it wrong? Yes. But are we heaps better than what we were? Yes. Because we had a unified direction about raising kids. Friends, do you have a unified vision for your marriage? Are you heading in the same direction in all the areas that I mentioned? Go home, discuss it. Talk about, well, what do we want to see there? Or what are we aiming for there? Or what does this area of our life look like? And get unified together. God, what are you speaking to us about? Get unified together. Because that is what God wants for your marriage. And again, if you get stuck with this, if you're not unified, you can't find out a way forward, can't work out a way forward, go to a life group leader, go to a mentor, go to a pastor, go to a marriage counsellor, get help. The reality is none of us have it all together. None of us have got a perfect marriage. None of us do. We're all working it. Some days are good, some days are a struggle. Some seasons are great. Other seasons are a struggle. In the struggle, get help. Don't allow your marriage to get to a point where you just live in two separate lives, two different visions, which is division. Division. Don't get to that place. When things start to go wrong, get help early. Get help early. Because God has given us this most wonderful gift in marriage, the most wonderful gift. And he wants your marriage to thrive. And be all that God has planned for you. Four things this morning. Number one, marriage is between a man and a woman. Number two, marriage is supposed to be a lifelong commitment. Number three, marriage is a place where you have the most intimate relationship on planet Earth. That's supposed to be in marriage with you and your spouse. And number four, marriage should have a unified vision. What is it for you today out of those four things that you need to grab a hold of? Choose one of them and say, I need to work on that. What is it for you this morning? We're going to sing a song in a moment. And I've not yet, Marky, and it's a song in a moment. And, and after the song, we're going to invite the prayer team forward. And, then, and, and after the song, I will come up and I'll invite you forward. But in every service, we want to give the opportunity for people to become a Christian. And if you're here this morning and, and you've never committed your life to Jesus... We want to give you that opportunity right now because that is the best decision that you could ever make. So with every head bowed and eye closed, if you want to commit your life to Jesus this morning, pray this prayer after me and I encourage everyone to pray it. Father in heaven, 
Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and he rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on down, worship team. They're going to lead us in a song, a song where we get to worship our God and honor him. Let me say this again, friends, in your marriages, if you get stuck, if you want some help, cry out. None of us have got it all together. None of us do. We're all on a journey. Let's get real about where we're currently at and let's move forward together.